When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, to what I think is going to be an amazing episode of Training Unleashed. Today, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that I think are going to interest you. One, we're going to talk about retention. How do you keep people? How do you keep them excited? How do you how do you get the best out of your staff? Kind of tied to that, how do you become a magnet to attract? And we're also going to talk a little bit about how training departments can be more successful within their organizations. And we're also going to talk about how businesses can get past some of their big hurdles. So I know that's a lot, so we got to get into the show. I have a great guest. His name is Dirk Van Reerden. And Dirk, I know that I have somewhat pronounced that right in the American style, but you're from South Africa. So do us all a favor and pronounce your name correctly and then tell us how most people pronounce it. <laughs> Evan, thank you. In South Africa, it would be Dirk Van Reenen. In America, people say Dirk Van Reenen. <laughs> it's a cool name. Well, thank and, you. And I, I do, I have a difficulty with pronunciations, but I, I do think that we should try the best we can to respect people's foreign tongue and things. Now, your company is Bergflow, and I maybe got that a little bit wrong, but it's sort of like an iceberg and flow. That's and right. it's a cool company. Before I go too far here, Dirk is an award-winning entrepreneur, international consultant, trainer, ran an $800 million sales organization. So this guy's got, got the chops. But I know your name of your company means something. And I, I think it would be great if you would share that because it, it's important you know, to me, names matter. So let you know, tell us a little bit about the history of the name. Absolutely. Um, Evan, well, the first thing I want to just kind of highlight right off the bat, and this is going to completely tie into when we really start talking about retention when we start talking about attracting talent and we start talking about uh, performance training. So in 2016, uh, I was uh, the CEO of an organization, uh, a large organization with 500 salespeople uh, doing over 800 million a year in sales. And I, I learned something that year that was very significant. And it had to do with the rate of change in the world and the human ability to adapt to change. And there were several universities that did research on this. And, and when I started reading the research, it was fascinating 
that a, a human being has a static ability to adapt to change. And once the, the rate of change exceeds that, then the human starts experiencing a higher level of stress and anxiety and feeling lost. That actually took place in 2016. And for some reason, that just, I mean, it, it just resonated with me at such a deep level. And I started understanding, okay, this is going to start shattering the business world. Because up until that point, leaders could tell their people what to do and leaders could navigate the world. After that point, leaders could no longer by themselves navigate the world. They had to start switching to a collaborative team model to be able to navigate the rapid rate of change. So when I understood that, I actually resigned from my corporate position and I, I wanted to start a company that could help businesses navigate building teams. And I wanted to be very purposeful about what I called my company. So when we looked at what we're going to be doing, we said, okay, look, we want to be able to really take on large challenges because we believe that if you're willing to take on big challenges in the world, that you're going to be able to unlock big um, opportunities. And if you can unlock an opportunity and capitalize on it, then you get a big reward. So in the physical world, we said, okay, what represents that? And for us, it's a mountain. So, uh, we, okay, we knew mountain needed to be in there. And I'm from South Africa, so uh, the word berg is actually mountain. So like iceberg. So that's where the, the berg comes from. Is it's, it's that challenge that we want to take on. The flow part of it actually came from a documentary called Happy. And it's a really cool show. If, you, if you've uh, never seen it, I would highly recommend watching it. But it's a show that really looks at what creates joy and happiness within people. And they have uh, about five different elements that have to be present. And all of them really made sense with, and resonated with me, except this thing called flow. And it was actually the first time I'd really heard about the state of flow. And this is about seven or eight years ago. So it always just kind of stuck with me. But it is that, that state where nothing else matters. Time ceases to exist and you're fully immersed in what you're doing. And the documentary actually had the research that flow had to be present in your life if you wanted to experience higher levels of happiness. So for us, it wasn't just about taking on big challenges. It was also being able to do work where you could experience flow at work. And that's where Berg Flow came from. Cool name. Really cool Thank name. You. And I totally agree with you. There's been a seismic shift. And the top-down authoritarian style uh, is no longer effective. And you know we're in an environment right now where workers have never had more power um, than they have right now. And it really requires companies to be excellent in how they work with their team and staff to retain people. And I think I'll combine it. If you're great at retaining people, I think you naturally become a magnet. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't we shift right into this? Cause this is like as hot a topic as there is right now. Mm -hmm. What are the keys to building that culture so that organizations retain great people? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that there has been a, a really big shift. I mean, I think it started in 2016, 2017, and COVID just rapidly accelerated that shift that's taking place. And, and, you know, 10 years ago, we used to hear a lot of like, well, the millennials, the millennials and well, they just, they, they want to feel like they're a part of something. They want to feel valued. And the interesting thing was that it may have started there, 
but that feeling has spread across, you know, all generations. And it's not a bad thing. It is actually a good thing because for too long, companies have looked at people as cogs in a system. They've looked at people in a way, show up, do your job, do what you're told, get your paycheck and go home. And we are excited about the fact that people have said, hey, enough. If you can't care about me as a human being, you know what? I'll go find somewhere else to work. And I heard a statistic uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that uh, there's a a prediction that over 30% of the workforce is completely going to change jobs in the next year. That is a massive number. And I'll just share with you that for years and years, uh, Gallup has done research that has shown somewhere between 50 and 60% of employees, if they could, would change jobs. Yeah. So when you say 30% are going to shift, I totally get it because I think there's pent up demand of people that have wanted to, but have been afraid to, and haven't had the opportunities to that now see those opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think what's happening today is uh, because, you know, we, we chatted a little bit about this before the, the show started, but virtual work. Virtual work has completely changed the, those type of opportunities for, uh, for people. So today, people, I think, are looking at and saying, why do I work where I work? Why do I do the kind of work that, I, you know, if I could do something else, if I could work on the road, if I could work virtually, what would that look like? So. I, I believe that people have, and you made the comment that, uh, you know, people have so much control in the workplace today. It's not the kind of thing where, um, you know, uh, there's no jobs to be had. I mean, it's, the, it's, a, it's, it's essentially a buyer's market today, right? Companies okay. are scrambling to try to find good talent. The talent has the power in their hands. So the question that they have is, okay, if I have the control, where am I going to work? And what we have found is that the companies that are understanding the shift and that are getting ahead of the shift are gaining massive ground on the companies that don't understand what's happening right now. And the first thing that, that people have to realize is that it's a completely different game. We are not playing the same game that we used to. Top-down leadership, uh, or, or I wouldn't even say like top-down leadership, it's like top-down management type approach really started dying off in the late, uh, I'd say, 80s, 90s. But it really became more prevalent in the mid-2000s, um, 2010, where it was more about, okay, servant leadership. Like that whole kind of theme really started uh, emerging and be a better leader, learn how to serve your people. And really what's happened, and I heard a John Maxwell podcast not too long ago where he was talking about, as of about 2000, the year 2000, uh, 2020, he said, it's not about leadership anymore. It's about collaborative teams. And that's something that, you know, when we started in 2017, we knew that that was the key for companies to survive the future is that there were no leaders out there that were smart enough to make all the changes, to to navigate the changes, make the decisions, train their people. It had to be about finding the right people and teaching that team how to start working together and supporting each other. And I think like that's one of the biggest changes in the workplace today is companies that are building the kind of environment and culture where it's not about you showing up and doing your job. It's about you being part of a team. And part of that means that you are looking out for your coworkers, for your peers. You are even looking out for your leader to help 
lead them because there's a lot of pressure on leaders today to to navigate everything that's happening. And if you as a leader are putting all of that weight on your shoulders, whether you're uh, a C-level leader or you're uh, the CEO, you're going to crush under this pressure. If you can't learn how to get your ego out of the way and start getting on the field with your team and saying, hey, we are here to accomplish a common goal. We're here to work together. It's going to be crushing. And I believe the foundation of this change is leaders getting to truly know their people at a much deeper level. So uh, totally agree with you, but I've got a couple of questions that come to mind. One is who is your team? Particularly if you're in a bigger company, is it everybody? Is it your department? And you start creating issues with silos and how do you avoid silos? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the short answer is that um, that has to be defined within the company because one, is, the, the way that we do our work, we always look at the, the individual and the, the role that they are doing. We look at it on the team level and that could be uh, a division. It could be a small team within a large division. And then we always look at the organization as a whole. However, when we're working with leaders, they're essentially their immediate team is them and their key reports. So that's your initial small team. However, one of the things that we really dive into with these companies is we talk to these leaders and we, we say, look, one of the most important things that you have to be able to do as a leader is support your other co-leaders. So if you are within a division and you, there's another division, um, the thought of siloing those divisions is crazy. Those leaders need to have real relationships with each other. They need to spend time together and not just spend time in a meeting where you're talking about, okay, how are we executing? How are we doing things? It's the kind of relationship that you need to grab coffee with them. You need to go out, grab a beer with them. I mean, get to know them at a deeper level and, you know, I'd love to, in a little bit, dive into a little bit about, you know, what does it really look like to get to know somebody that you work with? However, companies have to start learning how to play together as a team. And whether that's a, a series of small teams playing together as a whole or individuals playing together as a small team, it's all of that. And it can't be siloed anymore because communication has to be more fluid than ever before. Things are moving faster than ever before. So if you have a siloed environment, and different parts of the organization are not communicating with each other. They're not supporting each other. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of your body. Then all of a sudden, like your foot decides that it's not going to be playing game ball anymore. Or your hand decides and your shoulder decides, hey, we're, we're, we're kind of siloing. And all of a sudden, you can't even walk or function or take a drink of coffee or anything like that. We have to start thinking about organizations as being a connected organism that has to be able to work together, communicate together, and go after a common goal together. Need to improve your business results? Tortal's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop? A detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. So 
I like what you said. I'm now going to kind of go to where you said you wanted to speak a little bit more, but I'm going to ask the question maybe in a little bit more provocative way. Okay. So you've talked about the importance of getting to know people as people. Right. Now, at the same token, you know, we've got training around that, you know, sexual harassment training in particular, where there are very clear boundaries that, you know, you need to be careful that someone doesn't feel like perhaps they're misreading your intention, if you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Absolutely. So I, I guess my question is, how do we connect with people and learn about their lives, yet at the same time, respecting a certain degree of privacy and boundary? Yeah, and this is a, this is a really good question because there's definitely a clash between human resource type regulations and what it looks like to really get to know a person, right? There's that, there's that clash within the workplace. And I think a lot of companies are so afraid of all the rules and regulations that they, they, they create a system where people are cogs because they feel like if they go any further than that, that they're going to put themselves at risk, right? So, I mean, the first thing I'd say is always follow EEOC compliance where, you know, within, within your state, within, uh, um, the U S and be compliant in what you do. Now, with that being in mind is there's still an element of getting to know people. And it's one of those things that when you get to know somebody, you get to know them. The, the first place that we start is through a series of, of, uh, assessments because assessments, uh, give you insight data into somebody who they are. And it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter any of that. Like assessments, uh, especially if they've been EEOC validated assessments, then um, what happens is you get inside data on people. And this is something that really fascinates our company. This is something that we really geek out about because when we look at the rest of the world today, the whole world operates on a set of uh, big data. If we have more data about anything that we're going to do, we can make better decisions. However, when it comes to human beings in the workplace, most companies have the minimal set of data on a human being, and then they plug them into a position and expect them to you know, do their job, be fulfilled, stick with a company, bring their best. And it's like, look, if you can't understand the deeper level of data behind this person, how can you even put them in a position, how are you even going to know what the right position is? And we always believe, and, and this is something that I tell people all the time, look, if I don't have the right people around me as a leader, I am going to fail miserably as a leader. No matter how good I am, I'm going to fail. As a matter of fact, even when I have the right people around me, I'm still failing at a lot of things, but when I have the right people around me, because I have the right people around me, we succeed despite who I am as a leader and despite my flaws, because there's just too much to know and learn and do. I mean, John Maxwell says leadership is 10,000 hours of studying and, and 40,000 hours of field application. That's 50,000 hours to master leader, leadership, right? 5X mastering anything else on the planet. So we have to understand that if we don't have the right people around us, our chances of failure are extremely high. And what I've learned is it is very hard to train the wrong people in the wrong positions, especially when they have the wrong motivation. So what we have to do is kind of peel back a little bit and say, okay, let's start by, I'm about to hire somebody or let's, let's talk about training. I'm, I'm about to kind of, you know, really enhance somebody's training. 
I have to know who this person is. So a couple of things that we look at, um, and, and a lot of companies look at this a little bit differently. We look at something called hard, hard wiring or innate wiring, which is really the, the core of the way that somebody shows up and the core of how they interact with different environments. Now, some, some companies call it behavior. Some companies call it personality. What, what we've looked at is innate wiring delivers a derivative called behavior and behavior creates a derivative called personality, which means personality can shift very quickly in different environments based on the, the human beings that are involved, depending on the pressure, the environment, is it more social, is it more business? Um, behavior is a little bit more static. It's not going to shift quite as much. It takes a little bit more, it creates a lot of stress to shift, but innate wiring is who you are at your core. So what we do is look at innate wiring and say, okay, who is this, this human being? What's their innate wiring? And then based on what they've experienced in the last, 90 to 120 days, how is that wiring shifted? So that we can understand who is the core of the person and then how is that shifted? The next thing we look at is something called cognitive agility. And that is a human being's uh, ability to um, learn and process new information. So we look at a scale from a one to seven and we see that most people in the workplace are at around a three to a five. Um, however, so Dirk, I'm going to interrupt for just a second here. Yes. Because you're saying some amazing things, but I just want to add something here. This is what you're doing and looking at your current staff. But would this also be the same thing you would do when you're looking at bringing people into the team to make sure that they're the right fit for the team? Yes, 100%. Yeah, and... I, thought, I thought that. I just want to make sure our listeners got that this is a, 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 an and. You do this for new people and you do this for current people to understand, understand how they think and, and, and what, what motivates them and, and, you know, what to expect from them in the workplace. Absolutely. And, he, and here's the thing, you know, some people use this for hiring, but then after the hire, all of this information goes away and they never use it again. So we, we actively use this and, and we use a term called the human operating system, which is what, how did the, the human beings in the, in, the, in, the, in the work environment, how does the human system operate. And we place emphasis on that before marketing, before product, before service, before anything else. Because if you don't have a, a solid operating system for your human beings in the workplace, then how are you really going to see, succeed at higher levels? So we always tell companies, do this work first with your existing people, and then use the work to bring in the next people. So when we look at cognitive agility, you know, there's always kind of, a, I hear people always say like, hire the smartest people you can find. Well, that sounds good until you realize that sometimes really smart, intelligent people need a high level of mental stimulation. And when they learn a job and they've, they've kind of learned it and there's no more mental stimulation, guess what happens? Leave. They leave because they get bored, they get distracted, and they actually become poor performers. There's actually a correlation that based on your cognitive <coughs> ability, there's going to be a certain score that correlates with the position that you're hiring somebody into. And based on that, you can actually keep somebody mentally stimulated at a high level where they have more interest in the work that they do. So when we look at, when we look at innate wiring, cognitive uh, agility, we really start understanding job match. And then the next thing we evaluate is emotional intelligence. And last year, um, HR Magazine said that you know, emotional intelligence is the single most important thing for success in the workplace. 
So when we start understanding those three components of a human being, that's the data side of somebody. That's kind of who they are, how they think, you know, the level of self-awareness and social awareness. And based on that, we can really start understanding if I hire this person, what type of position and what type of environment are going to help them succeed at a really high level? How are they going to stay engaged? How are they going to respond to stress? And that's a really important thing. I mean, Evan, I'm sure you've seen that the reports of people um, on subscription um, uh, anxiety medicine, depression, you know, antidepressants, I mean, skyrocketing today. Yeah. And 100%, I believe it goes back to the core of humans are, are innately stressed out today because things are changing faster than they can adapt to the rate of change. They're feeling lost. They're feeling like the world is moving past them and they can't catch up. So what we want to understand is, look, when we hire somebody, how can we put them in a position where they're not going to feel like that constantly, where they can actually feel like they're winning? Because you could have an amazing performer in your organization right now that's in the wrong position. And day in and day out, that person feels like they're, they're failing. They're unfulfilled. They go home and take a massive amount of stress with them. They're not energized. And now they're going home and they're treating their family all funky because they've been beat down at work all day. So we believe it's the right thing to do to get to know people from a data standpoint at a deeper level to make sure that you can job match them correctly so that when they go to work, they feel like they're doing work that was actually meant for them. They're succeeding at the job that they're doing and they have more fulfillment. And, and guess what? When somebody shows up like that, they're going to be bringing their best to work, right? So that's one side of the equation. We're, we're going we're gonna to leave that side mm -hmm. because people can reach you for the other side of the equation. I do want to talk about one other thing, but we're, we're going to start to run out of time. Okay. And I, I put this in the beginning. I got people excited by it. And it, it is sort of to the thesis of the whole podcast. So I want to hit it hard. Yeah. Is training in many, many companies is undervalued. Mm -hmm. uh, management doesn't take it as seriously. Yet we know that effective training has a huge impact on companies and can massively improve sales, margin, operational efficiency, uh, can create you know, people to really understand the brand. So you get brand stewards, all of these things. And for that matter, can help people learn how to deal with people with different personalities, how to collaborate better, you know, all the things you're talking about. But a lot of times the training department doesn't have the voice at upper management or doesn't have the voice themselves to advocate. And what advice do you give to people in training to help them as their team, as part of the bigger team, as you described it, uh, advocate for themselves? Yeah. And, and again, like, you know, the short answer is, that, look, if, if you don't have the right people in the right positions, it's going to be really hard to train them. Because uh, training as well, if we understand more about the human beings that are in that position, we can adjust the training to their preferred learning style, to their level of cognitive agility, how fast they're processing. But I think a lot of times um, training is something that, that sometimes is kind of shoved down people's throats. It's not something that people are truly invited into. And the, the whole thing about training that we've seen is uh, so many times is that one of the greatest places that I see companies failing at training is that there's not a complete feedback loop on training. It's like, oh, here's something new. We're going to train you on it. And then they do the training and then there's no feedback loop on, hey, was this training actually implemented? What did you learn? 
How are you doing things differently? What's the result of this? You know, based on what we trained, how are you going to approach something differently? And there's not accountability on it either. So it's, a, it's an ongoing series of what we call um, creating new loops, where a loop is never kind of brought to completion and made sure that, hey, we've got a good quality control on this. Like they actually learned something like here's the feedback. Here's how we should train it differently next time. It's just, oh, train this, train this, something new, something new, something new, something new. And before you look at it, you know, you, you've got 10, 15 different things that you've tried to train your organization on, yet none of them have been effective. And so think- this, this is what I'm hearing you say. You got to get past the smile sheet where you just ask them how happy were you? Did, did you like or enjoy the training into how is it really going to impact them and demonstrate that effectiveness? You've got to listen to the team. You've got to make something training people want. They don't feel pressured to take. And that what they do, they have to do exceptionally and probably better off doing less really well than trying to do everything poorly. And that if they can create that culture, the rest flows naturally. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. And here's, here's kind of where what we do is counterintuitive to a lot of organizations, especially larger organizations. Our core belief is that if you go hire somebody, the person hiring that person should be their leader. The person that trains that person uh, should be their leader. Now, that doesn't mean that you do all of the training, but it, it means that you have the relationship with that person to make sure that you are helping that person succeed based on what's important to them. Because it's the same thing. Look, uh, let's go back to high school. There's a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, top-level entrepreneurs that hated high school. They were very bad at high school. They weren't good scholars. And the reason they didn't like that is because they were constantly being taught things and things were being shoved down their throats that they didn't connect to the value of what they wanted to achieve in in life. Then that's carried forward into companies. Oh, we're just going to shove this down people's throats. And the, the people, they can't connect. Okay, how is this going to help me and my family do better in life? It's all about what is the... Would you see then the person that hires their, their quote manager almost being like their mentor? Would that be a good term? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's I mean, what here, I here's the thing. And, and here's where a lot of HR uh, divisions don't like our company, right? Because we tell them, look, the, the, the function of HR is to, to dot the I's, cross the T's, make sure all the paperwork's done, the onboarding, all those kind of things. But we train companies on how to decentralize hiring and training. That's one of the core things because, look, if, if I'm going to lead a team, I have to know that team. I've got to know who this human being is. I need to know their life story, where they came from, what their journey is about. I need to understand what's important to them and their family in the future. If I don't, if I don't understand that about somebody, how can I effectively lead them and help them win? Why would they be bought into wanting to bring their best to the organization their ideas, why would they want to collaborate even if they feel like their leader doesn't understand them and know them? The short answer is they're not going to. They're going to show up like a cog and you're going to have to treat them like a cog. They're going to work. What is the the statistic that most Americans work about 40% of the workday, right? The other 60%, what are they doing? They're goofing off. So when you want to build a high complaining or yeah, Uh, they're goofing off or complaining or something, right? So if you really want your people to be effective, 
and learn how to get them to raise their hand to say, okay, help me be better at work. Like I want to take more responsibility. You're going to have to start with getting to know them because there's no shortcuts outside of that, Evan. And, and, and that's the thing is people could want all the silver bullets in the world, but until they hire the right people in the right positions and get to know those people and find out how to help those people be successful within that company, that's the foundation of it. Okay. This is a good part to shift because you said most companies don't like, most HR people don't like our company. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your company. Tell us about what you do. You know, I bet people are listening to this right now and you, you're very well spoken. And I think you made a lot of great points, uh, actually inspiring. Um, I'm sure people want to know about your company and what your company does and, you know, who are the types of companies you like to work with, et cetera. So t- tell us about your company. Yeah. So a company's called Bergflow. We mentioned that earlier, but our whole thing is we want to help companies build better teams. And this is even, you know, we, we encourage people not to think of the manager employee relationship, but think of the leader and team relationship where again, it's all about companies getting to know, uh, first off leaders getting to know themselves and then getting to know their people. And that is a process that's very counterintuitive based on the way that business has run for a really long time. So it is a more intimate level of business, you know, and that's why I said like there's this, this kind of rub between, you know, what are all the rules and regulations about what you can talk about versus, you know, what is creating really deep relationships within the workplace. And I'm not talking about, you know, relationships that turn into sexual type relationships or anything like that or anything weird. Like I'm talking about human beings caring about other human beings because I don't care where you are and where you work. That's a real thing. When, when humans truly care about other humans, then what happens is the human system becomes healthy. And so when the, if, if, I'm, if I'm interested in helping improve team work environment in my company to help retain people and, re, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Retain people and, and attract people. That's what you do. You help companies look at how they're organized and you give them advice. I'm sure you have tools and systems and, and, and uh, testing and things like that, that help so they can create that collaborative environment, which you so rightly described as the key to the future at the beginning of this conversation. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we've got all that. <laughs> so certainly I think something that's people should at least talk to you about because <laughs> uh, you're clearly a giver and willing to share. You have an offer. Please share that with everyone. Yeah. So if you go to bergflow.com, B-E-R-G-F-L-O-W, bergflow.com, um, we do free uh, analysis and consultations with companies just to first off understand who they are and can we help them. So if you're hearing this and, and it's kind of intriguing, and, and again, I mean, I can talk about this for days. I get really excited about talking about this because it's so important. But if, if, if that resonates with you, I'd invite you to go over to our website, um, schedule a free call with us, let us and uh, do a quick analysis on you and at least your executive leadership team to start unlocking a different level of understanding about where you are and where you're going and what that journey can look like for you. And your website one more time? bergflow.com b-e-r-g berg f-l-o-w flow.com excellent 
So we're at the part that people wait for, which is that one tip. So if you had one tip to share with this audience, what would that one tip be? Yeah, I would say the fastest, if, if you are somebody that is wanting to move your life forward, move your business forward, and you know, really be able to progress who you are in life, the fastest thing that can make that happen is you surrounding yourself with the right people and helping those people win. There is nothing else that will help you gain faster levels of higher income, success, wealth, whatever it is that you want, than surrounding yourself by the right people and then helping those people win. So that would be my tip. It's an excellent tip. Fantastic tip. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you, my listeners. I also want to take a moment and acknowledge C-Suite, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV as my sponsor. They are invaluable to making the show successful. And again, to the audience, appreciate you being here. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. And Dirk, really appreciate having you here too. Thank you. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortle Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortle makes effective training easier. Just go to tortle.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortle.net, T-O-R. T-A-L, Tortle.net. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.